Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we've got a fun one today because we get to break down the Futures game rosters, American League, National League. They were finalized a couple of days ago. Uh, for those that are on YouTube, we will be kind of going through an article that we put out on JustBaseball.com with kind of blurbs on each player. We'll basically be taking care of the blurbs for you by talking about it. But if you want to follow along, see the stats, things like that, for those listening, the article that we put together is in the episode description. Also, I always do say this at the end, need to say it in the beginning. If you could leave a rating, help us grow the show and, you know, help people realize that we're not terrible at this. Like that would be great and really appreciate it. Maybe you think we are terrible. You can leave that. Actually, yeah. no, just, I never just, just don't leave the rating, I guess, but whatever it is. But um, yeah, I would appreciate a rating, I guess. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. I'm horrible man. I'm horrible at asking for things. Yeah, well, I I suck at podcasting. So if people want to tell me yeah. that I suck, like I here's the thing. I would prefer if you told me I sucked via Twitter, either mention yeah. or DM. Because yes. then it doesn't deter people from watching us. Or exactly. Us. So like if you want to say like this guy fucking sucks, like come at yeah, me on yeah. Twitter. Like yeah. don't dock us from the five to the four eight. Yeah. That's fair. But one thing you are very good at is calling games. And you just got to call Noel V. Marte's debut in triple a um so we're going to talk about a couple quick promotions and then jump right into those futures game rosters where you can follow along with us but very quickly after we record this by the time people are listening to you will have seen connor phillips throw 
in AAA, which thank goodness we were literally just begging. We've had some magical powers on this podcast. I feel like when we've been asking for something, it's it's, it's kind of happened. Even Christian Encarnacion Strand going to right field, like we asked for that, the Reds gave it to us. Noelvi Marte gets bumped up. You know, it's it's hard to pull anything crazy from a first game, but I think you could see that he's bigger than you think, right? Isn't he a deceptively like he's a larger, bigger dude than you think? Marte is a thick cut dude, man. I, I think base. that guy looks like a third baseman. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look like a shortstop. But he can swing it, right? I, I didn't see the stat line. I don't. I, I assume he didn't do anything crazy, or else he would have texted me. But you know, I, what was your main takeaway if you could have anything from one game of Marte? Because we've talked a bunch about the approach. You know how he, he could be better there. Uh, he's pull happy. I do see a, at least a little bit more of that. That that thought process of using the whole field a bit more. And then I think that's part of the reason why they called him up to triple. The approach has been better. It's not, it was really bad. Now it's, it's, it's iffy, which is all he really needs because he's hits the ball really damn hard and he hits the ball like consistently. He's got good bat to ball skills, which people don't, I don't know if they totally realize 85% zone contact, like consistently for the last yeah. couple of years that probably go up with better swing decisions. Yeah, I saw the chase come out um, in his first plate appearance. In his second plate appearance, I, I saw why this guy is a top 100 prospect. And, you know, no, Marte, I think he was one for three with a single. Um, he struck out on three pitches in his first plate appearance to Kent Emanuel. Emanuel has, I think, a couple appearances in the big leagues um, with, with Houston. But Emanuel, 31-year-old, 32-year-old, yeah. he's sinker at 89, change up at 82. And that's what yeah. he put Marte away with at three pitches. It was sinker away swing and a miss um and then i think Marte chased two pitches off the plate away last one was a change up that he swung over the top of so like that was okay you know this guy got beat by a guy that just knows how to really pitch um his second at bat it was a pitch in on his hands i thought he initially fended it off i followed the game on the research portal as well so i get the hawkeye data immediately I thought he just like fended it off and it was like a soft liner to, to right field for a base hit came off his bat at like 96. So that's a yeah. guy that like hands totally in like fighting, fighting that pitch off and it's 96 the other way. So really impressive from him defensively. He did make an error and it was a compounding <laughs> error. It was a hot shot that, that clipped off the heel of his glove. He smothered it. Still had plenty of time and he sailed the throw. I was like, ah, like, don't do that. Just eat it at that yeah. point. But he also he's made young. a couple plays. Yeah, he's he's 21 years old. But he also made a couple plays where he would come in, he would cleanly barehand the ball. There was one, a barehand charge, and he fired a dart over to CES at first base. It was fun. I like acknowledged it immediately after. I was like, Marteta and Carnacion Strand on a 5-3 put out. We could get used to that. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think he could be a very solid defensive third baseman as he just you know gets more comfortable and just continues to get those reps. But I'm also very excited to get your take on Connor Phillips because the Reds' pitching prospect has been so fun to watch in Double A. But you know, you have been the most cynical when it comes to the data uh, that we get from the Southern League. Understandably yeah. so. I've been you know annoyed by it, but you know, I'm I'm really excited for Connor Phillips to just hopefully post like a really good outing, and you can say, all right. <laughs> can't can't talk about the Southern League baseballs anymore. I, I know that the velocity is fantastic. I know that you you are excited to see Connor Phillips, but it's just going to be fun to have that that caveat kind of removed because he has been so good. Um, and it's just like I, I just don't want to have any other factors involved other than this guy's gripping a baseball that is a normal baseball and he's ripping it and he's overpowering dudes, which I think he's going to do. 
you might run into some trouble here and there with the command, but I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how he performs. Um, any quick thoughts on him before I highlight two quick guys and then we get into the futures game? No, I think he's stupid talented. And I think that we're going to see that talent really show and there's going to be nothing impeding on our view of that talent. Like kind of same thing with Abbott, right? We were clamoring for Abbott to get away from double A. So we could see the stupid talent really shine Mm -hmm. and it's shining at the big league level. I think that Phillips can shine at the triple A level and at the big league level some point soon. Real quick, I just want to highlight a couple guys that went deep yesterday that you know, kind of just are about to do something crazy. Roman Anthony is ready to go nuclear. Like, I, I want that to be very, very clear here. He's homered three times in his last six games uh, after being promoted to high A. I think he's homered in half of his games since being promoted to high A. He's playing a good center field. He's not striking out. He's hitting the ball hard. He just turned 19. Red Sox prospect here. He's special. Um, I think Roman Anthony is about to be one of the hottest names in the prospect world. And I think somebody that you can look out for in the top 100 update, someone that you can you know, be ready to kind of see start to make some big time waves um, in a lot of different ways. So look out for Roman Anthony. Luis Mieses is someone that is talented and I think has been a bit overlooked just in kind of a uh, a barren system. He's struggled a little bit over the last couple of years, but you know, he, he went deep three times yesterday in double a not a guy I'm totally giving up on and a guy that's hitting the ball harder than ever uh, doesn't walk super aggressive but that's an encouraging thing to see um, so looking forward to following him a little bit closer um, and then there was one other name oh Grayson Rodriguez yeah. <laughs> Grayson Rodriguez turned in one of his best starts I've seen in a while Jack uh, with, of course Orioles top pitching prospect I don't know if he technically graduated yet uh, they sent him back to triple a to work on some things he went six innings in triple a against Charlotte yesterday I watched pretty much that whole start. Four hits, one run. It was earned, one walk, eight Ks. Um, what stood out to me was the fastball was jumping. It was up yeah. in terms of induced vertical break. It was up in terms of you know that, that spin rate, and it was just jumping out of his hand a bit more. And then the changeup played well off of that. He's spinning the slider a little bit better. It seemed like the fastball ticking up kind of set the tone for the rest of his arsenal. I think Grayson could be ready to rejoin that rotation relatively soon. Yeah, yeah. Um- our guy, Brendan Mortensen, who went to Syracuse with us, does a great job at, at Masson covering the Orioles. And he was in Norfolk for that start yesterday. Um, and, and here's what Brendan tweeted out. Grayson Rodriguez says his biggest point of emphasis in Norfolk is fastball command and working mm. ahead early in counts. Added that he's, quote, chomping at the bit to get back to Baltimore. So this is the boots on the ground approach. Obviously, he's chomping at the bit to get back to Baltimore. Yeah. Like everybody that's had a big league taste wants to get back there. But I think that's awesome that Grayson specifically ID'd fastball command and working ahead. He was working from behind the eight ball at all times, dude. I love when you add context with a specific like sound, like soundbite or tweet or whatever it is. Cause I didn't see that. Um, I go to bed now as I'm on the West coast and or West coast. I'm in Europe and I'm, I'm missing a lot of the game. So I rewatch early in the morning and just click through all the pitches. That's what I did with G-Rod this morning. Um, but it was palpable the fastball confidence, the fastball command, and how much more it was jumping. And then again, we know how good the changeup is. We know how good the slider can be. But when you don't have confidence in your fastball, everything else kind of suffers. So let's get into these futures game rosters. We'll we'll, we'll go American League first all the way through. Uh, We'll highlight every player. We'll obviously go deeper on the guys that we want to talk a little bit more about and get you primed up for this ball game because I think it's going to be a lot of fun, Jack. I think it's going to be a blast to watch many of these pitchers you're going to kind of set the pace here you're going to go through each of these names um, and 
Uh, we'll, we'll give you everything you need to know on each of these guys. Reminder that the article is in the episode description. Yeah, it's literally a, a read along right now. Like, I'll, obviously, we're going to do it in a way that is fun and, and really good to palette audio wise. But I mean, we are going to be walking player by player through this article here. And we'll start with the American League pitchers and, and we'll start with Clayton Beater of the New York Yankees. And between double and triple, he got the bump to Scranton Wilkesbury, 13 starts, 66 innings. And I want to highlight that. I'm not going to read off all these numbers verbatim because, hey, we kind of want you to go click on the article. He's got a 2-3, over 11 Ks per nine, four and a half walks per nine. But the thing that jumps out to me is 66 innings and 13 starts. That's over five innings per start. Beater is not the beater that he was with the Dodgers right now, and this is a way better version of Clayton Beater. If he was this version of Beater, they would have traded somebody else for Joey Gallo. Uh, This is – I still have some questions as to whether he can be a consistent big league starter. But I think what he has shown us is that he can be that like Tanner Houck type where if you have to spot start him, he can get by with two pitches. He he might be good enough to, to be a big league starter because of how good the slider is and the fastball command improving. He still lacks that third pitch, but it's been fun to watch him blossom, see the command get better and see him gain more confidence in the heater and just spot the slider. He flew through double A, man. Like he he gave up what was it, one run and like six double A starts before they promoted him to triple. That's insane. It was one run and five starts. So before he got promoted, 27 innings, one earned run, 33 Ks. That's a 0.33 ERA. And you know, the walk rate's still a little high, 12% walk rate, but just stranding runners, not giving up hits, got promoted up to triple and turned in a quality start there against Buffalo. Five and a third, six hits, two homers were the only ways that they gave up three earned runs, but three walks, six Ks. Beater looks like a really solid swing man that could be better than that. Um, and he should be fun to watch in this game with how nasty the slider is. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, do you think he can start games for the Yankees this year? <laughs> Depending on on how much more attrition we see to that that rotation, I think very possible. I definitely think he can be a fantastic reliever for them. Yeah. Uh, Joey Cantillo, the Guardians, is next. Cantillo got the bump from double to triple. I saw him in Columbus. Cantillo yeah. made two appearances out of the pen for Columbus, which was really weird, and I didn't like that. He mm-hmm. started against Quinn Priester over the weekend, and, dude, like that was a matchup. Q struck out 11. Cantillo looked really sharp. 13 appearances, 11 starts. He's got a three and a half and 58 and a third, 11 and a half Ks per nine uh, and five and a half walks per nine. Quintillo has been good for a long time, dude. It's been availability that is, yep. that is kind of hamstrung him. It's been availability and, and he's been available this year and he's been great. And, and I think triple A has been a bit of a test for him, uh, but he's 23. He's missed a lot of innings in his development. This is one of the best changeups you're going to find. Uh, you you got to see that up up close and personal, and and I think you can probably attest. And it was really nice to see him turn in that start he did, opposite of Quinn Priester after giving up ten hits to Omaha. You know, in five and a third, he gave up six earned runs to bounce back and do what he did there was really impressive. He even touched ninety six, I think, in that start. Maybe even grabbed close to ninety seven. It's fastball changeup that's really good. He'll mix in a decent slider, but Cantillo is fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, David Festa, right-hander with the Twins. Festa, 12 starts. He's got an ERA over five, but he's striking out over 11 per nine. Like the production numbers aren't great, but this is a big man that throws very hard. This guy's better than his numbers. Um, and I think people are going to see that in this game. I, I, we talked about it a little bit on the call, or excuse me, on the Just Baseball show about how 
especially on the American League side and on the American League pitching side, teams kind of sent some uh, – they didn't send their best options. Uh, not everybody. But Festa, like, sure, the Twins had some other options. Maybe Festa's an electric arm, and I, I think the Twins sent an arm that they, they knew people would get excited about. Fastball average is 96.5. He can touch 99. Um, slider's disgusting. So Festa's fun to watch. He's 6'6". He's a big dude. Yeah, uh, Festa is a, a Wichita wind surge. I haven't seen him in St. Paul yet. But, you know, like they need, I think, more pop-up guys. We talk about the starting pitching depth with them. And, you know, Simeon Woods-Richardson has been brutal so far this year. It's been it's been hard to find that. Hedrick is working out of the bullpen for them right now. Louis Varland is consistently in that rotation. Um, they need Canarino, like, fully healthy and, and all systems go. Uh, and Festa could be a nice ad there. I've got the pronunciation, according to baseball reference, Sem Robersa. It's not Roberse. Robersa. Robersa. Sem Robersa, right-hander for the Toronto Blue Jays. 21-year-old from Zeist in the Netherlands. He's got yeah. a four and a half in 67 innings. Uh, under nine Ks per nine, but I, this guy is a uh, he's a hit preventer. The whip yeah. is pretty low for a guy that walks three and a half guys per nine. So I'm going to just like walk, like basically just walk over whatever I just said. Um, like, oh, send your most exciting arms. I- I'm all in on, on Sam Robertsa. Robertsa. I think it's just Robertsa. How do you, I mean, Netherlands, like that's sick. <laughs> like I'm, I'm yeah. pumped on having a 21 year old from the Netherlands here. You don't see guys like that, um, you know, that often. And, and he's a quality, he's going to pitch big league innings at some point. Fastball is is not great, and that's kind of been his problem. But I love his assortment of secondaries. They're all pretty good. Curve, change, slider, cutter. And he'll come at you in a bunch of different ways. Uh, still just 21. You mentioned the weak contact, you know, inducing. He's not going to be that fun to watch. But I think it's just like the novelty of, man, this guy's from the Netherlands. His name is awesome. And he's been pitching pretty decent for a 21-year-old with limited experience, you know, at a high level prior to this. So he, he's a good arm that, you know, I think this is a guy that, is he as talented as some of the other names? No, but I think he deserves the nod. I kind of want to name my kid Sem now. Sem is a sick name. That is a sick name. I wonder if it's short for anything. Let's see. Uh, full name. Sam Robertson. Nope. It's just no, Sam. Just Sam. Yasver Zulueta is honestly, and I'm going to like, I'm going to be kind of negative Nancy here. Like this yeah. is one of the more disappointing selections. Um, Zulueta right-hander with the Blue Jays. He's a reliever now. He started seven games, but he's come out of the pen in what? 16 games, 37 innings. Yes. He's striking guys out, but he's walking seven and a half guys per night. We already saw Zulueta in the futures game. This <laughs> felt like, this felt like a mail-in from, from this. The this, this felt like a – so here's the interesting part. They can't send Tiedemann because he's been banged up. They can't send Barrera because he's been banged up. Or Elvis has already been there, though I'd rather send Orelvis back than, yeah. you know, Zulueta back. They Barger. sent reverse. Barger's been hurt. He's yeah. just came back. But you mentioned it on the call-up. I know he's been struggling this year, but at least he's starting and he's got some intrigue. I'd rather see Adam Mako. Um I'd rather see Gabriel Martinez, even even though he struggled this year. Like I don't know. I'd rather see someone that I can dream on a little bit more than than somebody that's been relegated to reliever already. Um, heck, I'd rather see Davis Schneider. Like it, some teams have sent old guys. Mm-hmm. Davis Schneider's been awesome this year. Nine fourteen OPS and AAA. He's been a breakout. Unless he's knocking on the door of a call up, and that's why they haven't done it. I would rather see him. Um, 
this was one of those where I was like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like the negative Nelly or Nancy on this. Like, you know, I, I, it's exciting for all of these guys, but Zulets has already done it. So I, I would have even rather seen Tucker Tommen. <laughs> Give me him even. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where I'm at on that. If you're going to send somebody with like minimal intrigue, at least make it their first time so they can really enjoy it. Exactly. Like that. We'll get to the Marlins. Like I, the guys that they sent are fun and I know are probably very excited about it. Yeah, super excited. Shane Drohan with the Boston Red Sox is a lefty. I like Drohan because he is the pitchability guy, but his pitchability has not necessarily been there in Worcester. It was really there in Portland. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, you know, you, you figure they had to send these lineups in or these rosters in probably a few weeks ago. And a few weeks ago, Shane Drohan was fantastic, like just one of the best pitchers at the double A level. But you mentioned it gets to triple A. He's walking as many batters as he's striking out. And he's been so he was so good in double A that the overall numbers are still decent. So uh, it would be disappointing to to say like, oh, we're, we're going to send you to the futures game, and then oh no, never mind, you've been playing too bad lately. So <laughs> I'm cool with this one, and, and this should be good for his confidence. A reminder: Hey, you were fantastic before. You'll get it going. You, you belong with these guys, you know, even if he's not as good as some of the other guys. Um, he, he, I think, really improved his stock still overall with what he did in double A. Get wrecked, Shane. You are canceled because you stink in Worcester. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. We hey, we're not sending you. Like, this is – it's not me. It's you. <laughs> That's why we're not sending you. Um, Jonathan Cannon with the White Sox. This is a guy that, like, I have very quickly bought in on. And yeah. I was told to buy in on uh, – I was told to buy in on Sean Burke ahead of the year. <laughs> That's kind of backfiring on me. Um, there, there are a couple other ones that I've tried to buy in on. Dolphins. I didn't tell you that. No, you didn't tell me that. Um. Andrew Dahlquist, uh, Jared Kelly, the, these have all kicked my ass. I hope Jonathan Cannon doesn't kick my ass because he's been really fun in the White Sox system. 6'6", righty, not 23 yet. That sits mid-90s with a four-seamer, also has a sinker. Slider's been really good, also manipulates that to a cutter. I like, and he's got a taste-breaking curveball and a changeup. He's got a lot of different ways he can come at you. Good stuff, big dude. I think Cannon might be quickly the you got Noah Schultz, you got other guys, but one of the more exciting arms in this system very quickly. You got Mena as well, but I think Mena's struggles makes it interesting, and they went with Cannon. I like it. Yeah, and Palette's on the shelf too, Peyton Palette. He, he had like a low fours. The, the command was not there like I was hoping it would, and honestly, the Ks were not there like I was hoping it would be. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Cannon and Cannon and Paulette making their way up with Christian Maine. I, I thought that was going to be really interesting. Jumping to Owen White with the Texas Rangers. This is a really unique guy because he was top 100. You had him at 42 on the preseason top 100. I, I think he's probably getting outs in a different way than we were expecting yeah. him this year. Yeah. He's what seven and a half strikeouts per nine. Like he's not striking anybody out. But he's limiting base hits in two hitter-friendly leagues in yeah. the Texas League and in the PCL. But he's only been in the PCL for a start. He went from Frisco to Texas to Round Rock. It's been a weird season. Somehow it's taking him to Seattle for the Futures game. Yeah, and you know I think he he's earned this based on what he did last year and, and while well, being competitive this year. I think it's interesting to see a guy get – called up make his debut and then be in the futures game but i think it was just a matter of circumstances and he was available and he came out and you know cleaned up a couple innings for them i love doan white going into this year and i'm you know i'm i still like Owen white a lot but the reason why we had him at 42 going into this year was the stuff was was great and and the stuff is ticked down this year 
And I don't know, I mean, this is somebody that's, that's had injuries in the past, he, you know, coincided with COVID. He was one of those guys that was like hurt before COVID. Um, so then you, you compound it by missing. It feels like he never pitched for like three years, but then really regained his, his prospect to Lauren stock in the Arizona Folly where he was the best pitcher. He sent 95 with the fastball last year um, and struck out 32% of batters. The curveball was sharper at 79. The slider was at 85 and the changeup was at 88. So then you look at him this year. And all of a sudden, the fastball is averaging 93. Uh, he's using, you know, he's manipulating more to a, a cutterish slider that he's been using, and that's been good for him. Uh, but the slider's kind of been phased out at 84, and he's not spawning it as much. And the curveball is not as sharp. But I think the fastball being a tick down has kind of hurt him a little bit, and it's been getting hit a little bit harder. But to your point, and, and the reason why I also have always loved Lemon White is I love the floor. I just, I'm frustrated that the floor is closer to what we're seeing right now, which is just, guy that has an assortment of pitches, solid command and gets outs. What we saw last year was guy who has an assortment of pitches, or assortment of pitches, solid command and blows it by you and gets outs. That's a top 45 prospect in baseball. Um this has been a guy that's at best the back end top 100 guy, not even that the way he's looked this year. So hopefully this stuff comes back, but it's been a bit frustrating to watch and I think it says a lot about his pitchability that Despite the subdued stuff and inconsistent command of his secondaries, he still pitched to a three-five-two in, in really tough environments. Yeah. So the, the thing that jumps out to me about White is, you know, this guy. Like, it was a very, very brief sample in the big leagues. Um, and shit, I, I kind of understand why he's still considered part of the futures game because his most often used pitch was was a cutter at eighty-eight. So. It's mid nineties. It's five pitches that he showcased. Like they all kind of sit in a similar velo window. It's it's mid eighties to mid nineties. I was just hoping that he would be a little bit more than like. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna coin this. Like, let's print the shirts now. Elevated Javier Assad. Like, I was hoping he would be a little yeah. bit more than an elevated Javier Assad. Well, he was supposed to be like the elite version of that. Like, I can yeah. attack you with six pitches, and a couple of them look like plus offerings. Nothing has looked plus this year, and and. Yeah, I don't know if he's dealing with a little bit of dead arm or what it is. Again, he's had history of, of arm issues. That said, he still looks like a big league arm because of just his pitchability and the assortment of pitches. But he looks closer to Javier Assad right now, which yeah. is, you know, kind of the floor. Yes. Electric arm here, Will Klein. If mm -hmm. you're going to send a reliever, send a Will Klein. He's up to yes. 102 with the Royals. I I just took your job, but go ahead. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about Will Klein because like, it's just fun to have those 102 guys, like not just all of the like, especially when we just got off a pitchability guy, like Will Klein with the Royals throws fuzz. Yeah, no, I it's a nice, um, you know how, I mean, you're in Europe right now, so you know the palate cleanser, like the palate mm -hmm. cleanser is a big thing. So you're going to have the palate cleanser with white after you go Zulueta who can, who can run it up there, but you have no idea where it's going to white. Who's, you know, pitch ability. And then you're probably going to finish the night with dessert. And that's Will Klein who will probably throw the ninth inning uh, Royals, right-handed pitching prospect, big man throws over 114 K's per nine and 35 and a third. He will just overpower you. And, and the Royals from top to bottom are developing pitching. Um, they send to Will Klein because I think you know some of their other guys have been banged up and some of the other guys are riding momentum, and I get it. Um, this is a great secondary prospect to send, uh, with all due respect to. As he's just you're a reliever, it's it's you're gonna be secondary compared to some of these other guys. But I, I'm excited to see him touch hundred. You know he's going to. He's touched 102 and he's touched 101, I think, like 30 times this year. So Klein's got big time stuff. 
Let's jump to the bats here. AL catchers, Tyler Soderstrom of the Oakland A's. Soderstrom, 61 games with the Las Vegas Aviators, hitting 255, uh, OPSing in the mid 800s, 16 pumps, 51 ribbies as a 21 year old in AAA. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, you can have a 526 slug, but if you're too aggressive, which he is, he's walking at a 6% clip. Yeah. You can have a subpar WRC plus, and that's what Soderstrom has right now. The fact that he's getting into his power as a 21-year-old and that's who's correct. also still catching plenty in AAA is, is really impressive. And he's hitting the ball hard. You, you don't need to just say, oh, it's the environment. He's hitting the ball 114 miles an hour. Um, this guy's got special potential with the bat, and you know, I'm excited to watch. I don't know if they're going to catch him. I don't know. I don't know how much he's going to catch. I'm interested to watch that, but I'm very excited to just watch him swing the bat. He's got special power. I think there are two guys that are catchers, but they're not going to catch. Like I, the infielders are pretty much all shortstops. Like I, I think Soderstrom's going to play first base. I think Andy Rodriguez is going to play first base as well, but we'll get to Andy here in a moment. Um, Edgar Caro with the LA Angels. Caro, we talked about on the Just Baseball show, incredibly young guy, but holding his own and double, man. He, there's no slug there. You want the slug to come back again? Might I say that he's one of the younger guys in Double A baseball? Fifty-four as games as a catcher. Um, the other thing that jumps out to me about Caron: fifty-four games, he's walking almost as much as he's striking out in Rocket City. To be doing that as a switch hitting catcher is remarkable in the Southern League, where we talk about the balls all the time. Uh, so you, you've got the brutal baseballs. You've got a kid that's learning to catch. You know, against with with more advanced pitching. And as a switch hitter, the power will come. He posts above average exit velocities. He will at least be an slightly below average to average power guy with his bat to ball skills and his approach. He's going to be a great, you know, bat. I think for especially for a catcher, um, he's just a really well-rounded catching prospect. And speaking of well-rounded, we're going to get to one later that's even more well-rounded. But Caro definitely deserves it. I, we're we're going to talk about the Angels on the Just Baseball Show. I've highlighted Caro could be one of the best trade chips on the market because. You know the Angels are going to go all in. You know they've got Logan Ohapi, who could be back as soon as the end of this year and is their catcher of the future. And the Angels, this is this could be the best prospect that's available. So I love that they're sending him to the Futures game. It might be a little audition to endear some, uh, some other teams and some other scouts. Who do you move him for? Starting pitching? Shane Bieber, you could say like that could be yeah, the like they, I know they have Bonilla. It doesn't matter. You're if if you're trading Shane Bieber, you're going for the most value. And if that's the best prospect available on the market, you got to listen when 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 an offer starts with Edgar Caro. You got to listen. Is it going to be Caro and pieces yes. for Bieber? It'd be, it'd be Caro and pieces, but the secondary pieces wouldn't be as as insane because Caro. I think saves the org depth, and I think they're okay with giving up one guy they don't need as much to preserve the rest of the org depth because Perry Manassian's slowly building this system that was once terrible to, to look a lot, a lot more solid. Dog, if they went Otani, Bieber, Detmer, Sandoval in a, in a postseason series, I feel really good about that. <sighs> All right. <laughs> yeah, but that's a conversation later. Uh, Harry Ford with Seattle Mariners, the uh, final catcher in the American League. Ford has a 407 OBP as a young guy in high A, 18% walk rate, 19% K rate. He's swiping bags. And oh, by the way, he does have eight pumps this year in 64 games. He's the most athletic catcher in 
probably professional baseball. Like JT Romito is a great athlete, but I don't think anybody's more explosive than than uh, Harry Ford in terms of his speed and and everything. You know, maybe it's Romito then in terms of all around athlete. Okay, Harry Ford's the most athletic catcher in the minors. Um, we always talk about how like if it doesn't work behind the dish, his fallback is center field. Like that's absurd in itself. Yeah, it's yeah. it's Dalton Varsho esque. Uh, yeah. But the approach is just so good. He chases lower than 20% of the time. Um, the exit velocities are average slightly above, but he does a good job of tapping into the power in games. And this is a guy that like, this is who you want at the futures game. We're talking about Mason Wynn, you know, going viral by throwing it hundred miles an hour across the diamond. Like Harry Ford is, I don't know what he'll do to turn heads, but it's just like this, this catcher that you don't see very often in terms of athleticism. Um, that's, that's what you want to see at these games. He's fun. Yeah, I think it was nice to see Harry Ford over like a several game sample because you got, you know, like a greater opportunity to see Harry Ford do something awesome in the World Baseball Classic. Mm -hmm. And Harry Ford did do a couple awesome things in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I like this because it it feels like the Rising Stars game or the rookie sophomore game that we grew up with in the NBA. And it was the young guys that aren't necessarily on the platform that the All-Stars are getting to do some cool shit. And baseball is a unique one because – you don't really get to do some cool shit, but if anybody's going to do some cool shit, it's Harry Ford. Yeah, um, he's going to try to steal a bag or something. I know it. I know I'm it. in. I'm in. Marcelo Meyer is our first AL infielder that we're going to go over with the Boston Red Sox. Two Red Sox back to back here. Meyer got the bump from High A Greenville to Double A Portland. 56 games between the two, hitting 250, slugging 487, which is a big one. Meyer is always going to walk around average. He's going to strike out around average. He's going to have a little bit of speed, not too much, but this guy is so so ridiculously smooth in the batter's box. He's smooth everywhere. That's the fun. Like he's so smooth in the field. He's so smooth in the batter's box. You highlight the slug. That's been a a focal point of his game. Uh, The the Red Sox, you know, had him using a weighted bat in the off season to kind of, you, you weren't changing that swing. You just talked about how smooth it is. Like that swing was, was, it's just beautiful, but he needed more bat speed. He's got more bat speed. He's posting 112. He's posted a 112 mile per hour exit velocity. It toes pull side, the power's plus. Um, So seeing that power uptick, he's getting his feet under him in double A now. He's a really special. He's in that tier one with the with the Lawlers, with the Merrills, with the Holidays. Like he's in that tier one with those guys, and um, people are just gonna love the, the the swagger that I think he brings. Great defender too. I'm gonna ask you now, Lawler or Meyer? No, oh, dude, fuck right you. now, right now. Uh, um, <laughs> right now. Every time one of them comes up, I'm just gonna ask you for like a gauge because they're so neck and neck. Mm. Um. We'll come back. Well, to I was putting up better numbers in double A right now. For I know. What it's worth. I I'm going to go Meyer. I'm going to go Meyer. I'm going to stick okay. to my guns. Nick York with the Boston Red Sox, 60 games with double A Portland. So now you've got Meyer and York sharing a middle infield. Holy smokes. Like, welcome Tip to the, the cap to the Red Sox. Send your best guys. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So they did. They sent two of their best guys, 60 games hitting 286. Uh, Nick York, nine pumps, 33 driven in. Um, he's walking at a decent clip. He's striking out at a palatable rate. This was the guy that like everybody waffled on. He was consensus top 100 going into last year and was consensus, not top 100 going into this year. Is he a top 100 guy again? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? The kind of roller coaster he's had for a three season, um, professional stint. It's been consensus, consensus, consensus up, down, up. Like you said, like that, that's insane. He made some adjustments in the box it's kind of allowed him to tap into more power. He's also just gotten healthy. Um, 
it's bat first with this guy, but he's still so young for the level and the bat looks great. Not worried about it. Jackson Holiday. I don't need you spoiling the midseason update, but like <laughs> I don't even 18, know. He was 18 in the preseason. Uh pipeline had him at number one. I'm not sure if he's number one. Is Holiday top five in the midseason update? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be top five. I mean, what he's doing is absurd. Um, Jackson Holiday I don't know if he has the same level of upside that some others see. I think what we're seeing is uh, a Bloodlines kid, obviously his father, Matt Holiday, MLB All Star, who is just a, a sponge, who is just built for the game of baseball, is so advanced, and just as Pete taking advantage of competition that was his age, now slightly older than him. Like, you're going to have to be 23. And, and polished to get this guy out. But I don't know if he has like the, the crazy, crazy tools that make him that number one. People were comparing him to Ellie and I saw some putting, you know, before Ellie went nuts in the big leagues and people kept asking me holiday or Ellie. I said, Ellie's upside is just way too immense for me. Way I got too immense. Ellie. Holidays like, which is crazy to talk about a, a 19 year old's floor, but his floor looks so high at this point. He, he also don't get me wrong. All-star ceiling, but it's not that like generational tools that Ellie has. He's a top five guy, no doubt with how polished and how well-rounded his game is, but he's not, I don't know if he's the type of guy that's going to do something like show stopping. He's the kind of guy that just impacts the game in so many different ways and can be that really well-rounded player. You know what he kind of feels like? He kind of feels like Seager a little mm-hmm. bit where he's just like really good at everything. Yeah. And um, probably, probably better defensively at this stage. Yeah, and Seager has more juice than Jack, but Holiday's 19, and he's got seven pumps so far in 64 games. Um, hitting 325 with a 464 OBP. Thing that jumps out about Jackson Holiday, yes, 20 bags, but 20% walk rate, 20% K rate. He's so he's so mature for a 19-year-old yeah. in high A. That's exactly, exactly what I'm getting. That's exactly what I'm getting at. So, like, it's one of those things where I think we push him high, and we should quickly – but let's kind of think about, okay, how good can this could be? Maybe the hit tool ends up continuing to to blossom and he becomes a 60 to 70 hitter. Then maybe he could be a superstar. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to follow that. That, that said, this is a can't miss top five prospects for sure. Yeah. Colt Keith with the Detroit Tigers uh, in double a, he just got the bump to triple. I think they made his triple a debut last night, but these, uh, he went deep are- already. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, shout out the mud hens, man. That was in Columbus, though. Bandbox doesn't count. No, it doesn't Columbus count. is hitter friendly. Doesn't count. Um, just like any fastball thrown by a pitcher in Double A doesn't count. Yeah, if, in the Southern, Southern League, League. It, it doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> uh, Fifty nine games in Double A with the Erie Sea Wolves, Erie, Pennsylvania. Not a place you need to go visit. But fifty nine games hit three twenty five, eighteen doubles, fourteen homers, fifty driven in. Colt Keith was as good of a bat as we had in minor league baseball before the uh, before the bump, and obviously he's continuing that. Yeah, that's the thing for me. I mean, we, we were I think we were the high guys on him having him sixty six preseason. He's going to be well inside the top fifty now. And in terms of just the bat, it's one of the best bats in minor league baseball because you have plus power, you have a great approach, and you have a really good feel to hit for plus power. Um, this is a special, special bat. Uh, though they got to figure out if he's playing third or second or what the deal is, and that's what kind of limits him. And I think that's what it's kind of held him back from being a consensus top 50 prospect. I still think he will be by the end of this year. But yep. this was somebody that endeared himself to the Tigers as a fifth round overslot guy in 2020. 
off his field a hit. So then when you add 25 pounds of muscle and add crazy juice on top of that with your approach continuing to get better without losing that field a hit, that always bodes well. Um, this is a special, special bat. Friend of the Just Baseball Network, Walker Bueller, called Bobby Miller a big, strong boy. Uh, Colt Keith is a big, strong boy. He's a big, and strong boy. There's no better baseball name than Colt Keith. I'd argue the next one that we're going to get on is, is right there, too. Junior Caminero, the floor is yours. Between high A and double A as a 19-year-old, Jordan era, Junior Caminero, 59 games, hitting 333 with a 388 OBP, a 610 slug, 15 homers, 47 driven in. 19-year-old 19. in high A and double. In the Southern League. Uh, it, dude, this guy is insane. He's – I mentioned this on the, on the Just Baseball show. He's this year's Jackson Chorio where it's like what he's doing for his age just doesn't make sense, and the tools are just off the charts. He hits the ball so hard. He hits the ball consistently. The approach keeps getting better. His 90th percentile exit velocity, 110.5 miles per hour, that's best in the Rays org. Remember, this is a Rays team. That is one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. He edges out Yandy Diaz for the best 90th percentile exit velocity in the org as a 19-year-old. And oh, by the way, they're playing him at shortstop now too. So even if he doesn't stick at short, the fact that he's even – they're trying him there shows you how good of a defensive third baseman he can be. <laughs> this guy is in the same boat of like, I think he's going to skip a lot. Uh, a lot of updates where it's going to go from either outside of the top 100 to top 20 – or like us, number 90 preseason to top 15. Uh, the the race system is just stupid. It's so gross. Um, and we'll jump to Kyle Manzardo, who's in AAA, um, has an incredible 3,453 on base percentage. Refresh the page, King. I, I just hopped in there. Um, but Manzardo, uh, 65 games with AAA Durham. Uh, Manzardo is not hitting the way that I think we were expecting him to the way he was in high A and double A. Um, but he's hitting enough. And, and the thing about Manzardo is he's always going to walk at an above average clip. And for the juice he has, he's always going to strike out a very palatable amount above average in terms of limiting the Ks as well. So Manzardo is an incredibly safe bat. I think we were hoping that the ceiling would shine through a teensy bit more in triple this year. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I hate being this guy because I always kind of scoff when people say this, but I honestly think he's been extremely unlucky. <laughs> um, I really do. He's hitting the ball harder this year, and that was like a point of emphasis. He's like, I want to show that I'm more than just like the, you know, elite bat to ball guy with like fringy power. And he, he's going to 90th percentile of 105. His BABIP is 283. I think he's made a concerted effort to lift the ball more. And I think he's almost lifting the ball too much. So it might be a combination of unlucky and, and trying to lean into the power a bit too much. A 26% ground ball rate is just it's, – it's a bit too low. I, I'm fine with you leaning into the pop, trying to lift the ball and do damage. But you're also a really good hitter. Spray the ball a little bit too. So kind of finding that balance between what he was last year and what he is this year. He's not even 23 yet. Uh, he's going to find that. And this is a perfect year of development for him. I know people were hoping, oh, he can get up this year and help. They don't need him. They don't, especially at first, they don't need him, especially with what Jonathan Aranda is doing already now too. work through it. And I think by the time we get to next year, Manzardo is going to be that more completed product, but he deserves to be at this game. And he's not budging on our top 100 list because he hasn't been playing well this year. All the underlying metrics look great. 
Yeah. Um, here, here's the situation that frustrates me with Tampa. Isak Paredes and Yandy Diaz are – that's arguably a top five corner infield duo in baseball, maybe top three this year. I think Paredes is awesome, and everybody knows how good Yandy Diaz is. Um, Aranda and Manzardo waiting in the wings here with Curtis Mead there as well. Like Manzardo might be third on the totem pole in the first base power ranking. So when do you move one of them for help? What what you're, do they need help with? You're also leaving out um, Xavier Isaac. He's well behind in terms yeah. of, of development, but their first round pick year ago, I'm – I'm falling in love with the player that he is. He's going to be special with the bat. So that's another guy that you have coming up too. Aranda makes sense because you know the Rays like to clear that 40-man spot. I would not be shocked to see them move Aranda because he's playing out of his mind, a 1,050 OPS, I think, in AAA, maybe higher than that. He homered twice, literally yesterday. Uh, Aranda, that's the guy I could see getting moved, and that could be a great starter, like start of a package to go get somebody. Uh, that's that's what I'd expect. Uh, the Rays are in such a prime spot because Manzardo's three years younger, or two years younger, and change. He's got plenty of time, um, yeah. and I think he, he's going to be a more complete hitter ultimately. Aranda's going to be one of the other really good trade chips, I think, this year. Yeah, uh, Kyron Paris of the LA Angels is next year, and and Paris can play short and second in Double A, and he's a young guy, twenty one years old in Double A, two thirty four, thirty one percent K rate. Okay, he's shown off some juice that I wasn't sure he had. I'm not sure if you knew that he had. Not but this. 20 for 21 in the stolen base department too. Kyron Paris is like, he may not be the most productive guy in this Futures game, but he, much like Harry Ford, could provide a serious highlight. Yeah, he belongs. He belongs. You could highlight some other players that the Angels maybe could have sent, but this is an electric, electrifying player who's 21, as you mentioned, in double A who saw a three-mile-per-hour jump in his 90th percentile exit velocity. And it's manifested itself in 11 home runs so far this year, which I think already matches his career high. So it shows you how much more power he's tapping into as a 21-year-old. He's got to find a way to limit the whiff, and I think he eventually will. But he's got big-time power. He could be a bat-first second baseman that strikes out and hits a ton of homers, gives you a decent defense. But he can be so much more than that. He could be so much more than that. Absolutely. He's so young at double A. So he's a fun player. There's too much risk to to be a top 100 guy, probably. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely somebody that's on the radar. He's a top 200 guy, top 150, maybe. He's he's a good player. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy is, I mean, big league ready, I think. Malloy, I've seen him several times now with AAA Toledo. And, And Malloy, like, he was hitting 340 and he was OPSing like 1400 in his first 20 games. And then he tapered off. He came back to normal levels and the clip is down to 264 in 72 games. But this cat's walking 15% of the time, man. He's got a 390 OBP. Um, he's got enough juice. I've seen him play a decent third base. I've seen him play a decent left field. He's getting some looks in the corner outfields as well. Malloy is not a top 100 guy by any stretch, but I think he's a big leaguer for the Tigers like right after the all-star break. He's a top 10 guy in just about like any system though, too. So he's, he's one of those guys that is, yeah, doesn't have enough upside maybe to be a top 100 guy, but yeah. 
any organization would love to add him. And I know that uh, the Tigers had to be thrilled to add him for Joe Jimenez. Great pickup there. Scott Harris has done a great job of identifying these type of guys and these types of moves. And Malloy should be a nice like kind of super utility piece or he settles into if he settles into a left field i think he could be a solid left fielder i think he could be a solid above average bat in left field so for sure i i like this pickup i and i think he's earned his way into this game even after you know taking the foot off the gas a little bit of late he, he was playing so well uh through the the majority of this season thus far Yes. Um, very fun to see Spencer Jones mm-hmm. in this game as we move to American League Outfield. Spencer Jones, the Yankees farmhand, who was uh, the 34th ranked prospect in baseball and just baseball yeah. preseason top 100 list. Spencer Jones has Spencer Jones has otherworldly juice. He's striking out a bit more than I think we were expecting, but 10 homers, 19 doubles, 18 bags and 60 games will always play for a six, seven outfielder. Yeah, I think I got a bit over my skis when I watched this guy swing the bat and then I watched him run in center field. And, you know, we we saw what James Wood quickly did. And I'm like, I like this swing. I like the athleticism. I love his moves in the box. But the swing decisions are just brutal. Uh, And the swing decisions have kind of led to him expanding the zone and and just putting himself in tough spots. He's over his last 20 right now in, in high A. But even so, has flashed so much, as you mentioned. I mean, he's hit the crap out of the ball. He's playing a pretty good center field as a 6'7 dude, and he motors. Like, he can really move for a guy of his size. He doesn't have the feel for the game that James Wood has, especially for James Wood's age, and that's where I probably got ahead of myself. But this guy has already posted 12 batted balls, 110 miles an hour and over this year. If he can even get the hit tool to be fringy, he can be a, he can be a really good player. And he just turned 22. He's younger for a college bat and even younger in his development. Cause remember he was a two-way guy and he had to undergo Tommy John surgery. So he only really played one season of college baseball as a hitter. So that's why I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt on the approach issues. Hopefully that comes along, but there's no denying the tools. And if he gets a hold of one in this game, he, he could surprise a lot of people with the kind of, with the kind of power he has. There are some guys that make me think about this and like, when I was playing baseball, you know, through high school, when I was like in the field and, you know, people were okay putting a bat in my hands, um, I would play first base because I was left-handed and I wasn't athletic enough to play the outfield. Um, There are like, there were always, you know, one or two guys on like the best teams you played that if you were at a corner, you were like terrified. Yes. If it like I'm sure you felt it at third base. Like mm-hmm. a big righty bat rolls up oh, to the plate, you're like I'm scared if the coach asks me to play in, I don't want to play in. Like that's how I felt with some big lefty bats. Spencer Jones strikes me as that kind of guy. Like the one where the first base in a, if you're asked to play in front of a runner, like in front of a trail runner, you're like absolutely the hell not, I'm not. Oh, no, a, a million percent. You know who that was for me at the hot corner was Joe Perez. Uh, in the Astros org, he's still trying to get his footing, but that guy in high school, he was so scary. I was playing with my heels on the grass and uh, my coach would be like, oh, I'm like, come on, you got to move up. You're giving him a single. Let's give it to him. Like, let's give yeah. it to him. Like, I don't, yeah. This is a business decision. I like yeah. my face. No, I agree. It's Jones is that kind of dude. And what stands out the most to me is that pull side power is like, take your head off. 
it's foul pole to foul pole. I, I still am a believer. I think we got a, a little ahead of ourselves at 34, but love the Yankees sending him because he's still shown enough. He still has an OPS above 800 and he's fun as hell. It's a great way to get people still excited about him. And I think it's a great way for, for guys that you know, maybe aren't meeting their expectations, but are still playing well enough to get out there, have some fun. Remember like that it's fun and kind of cleanse your palate for the second half. I like I, I like sending a Spencer Jones here. And and more than that, it's a reminder that they're good. Like yeah, baseball is here. the game. Yeah, baseball's the game where it's like, oh, I'm hitting 240. I suck. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You're a no. top 100 prospect in baseball. Stinks. Yeah, the sport stinks. And there might not be a better example of, of that with other circumstances than the next guy we're going to talk about. Heston Kerstad with the Baltimore Orioles. If this guy needed a reminder that he's good, I, he got that reminder and he has mashed since getting that reminder. Double A Bowie, Triple A Norfolk. This guy should be in the Baltimore Orioles outfield yesterday, but he's going to the Futures game in Seattle. Kerstad, 63 games between double and triple, slashing 304, 377, 579, 15 pumps, 28 driven in, and the K rate well under 20%. This guy is flat out awesome, man. And I think a lot of people forgot, understandably so. We had to wait two years because of myocarditis on the heels of COVID. Uh, I'm so glad that this guy is back fully healthy. And we're seeing what the Orioles grab, man. We talk about shocker top five picks for Baltimore and back-to-back <laughs> traps with Kerstad at two, Kowser at five. They look like geniuses. <laughs> I know, man. And those were the best college bats, too. It's funny. We're like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? They're under slotting. Like, what? Yeah. It was the best college bat. It wasn't the first pick. You know, and and that's that's what stands out. So Kerstad, man, he – when he came back, you know, understandably, there were some, like, timing issues a little bit, a little bit of length to the swing when he got to high A. And then he went to the fall league. Confidence came back. He started to really settle in. And those whiff concerns started to go away. And and so far this year, for how hard he hits the ball and how consistently he drives it in the air with authority, 84% zone contact is spectacular. He's striking out 17% of the time in the upper minors right now. And, and talk about a guy that missed a lot of development. Biggest thing for me is he could still be better. 35% chase rate is a big reason why you see the 7% walk rate. His swing decisions, as I watch, are not always great. He just bails himself out because he's so good. And like he's fine in deep counts. He's fine if he's behind in the count. If this guy hones in on his approach a bit more, he could be he could be a monster in the corner outfield. And I don't expect the Orioles to trade him. I expect them to find a way to trade other guys if they're going to go get somebody. I think he's darn near untouchable with how good he's looking. Wasn't top 100 entering this year. Probably will be the biggest climber uh, by where he'll just instantly enter because of how good he looks. And again, he still isn't even close to finished. Healthy starting outfield by season's end for the Baltimore Orioles. What does it look like? Mullins I think Kerstad's going to force their hand. I, who's like that? You got to have Hayes out there, right? At, at this point, yes. Um, Mullins, you have to have him out there if he's healthy. I mean, he might be a better option than Santander like pretty soon. Certainly a better option than McKenna. Until Aaron, Aaron Hicks magic wears off. Yeah, shit. Like Stowers has to move. Like one of Kerstad or Kowser is going to be expendable. And yeah, we talked we, about this, right? And I, and I was like, 
I don't want to trade either of those guys. But where's the space? I know. I, yeah, conversation for another time. Yeah. <laughs> that's we're one is a teaser for the next episode. We're going to try to solve the embarrassment of riches for the Baltimore Orioles, which, by the way, get ready for that. I think we're going to do something deadline time, um, which prospects we think could be like some of the best prospects that will be asked about the most based on the big league implications um, and and guys that we think could be log jammed and, and could get moved and um, just kind of highlighting which prospects are are blocked and and for buyers. I think will be a fun episode. So we'll specifically spend a lot of time on the O's. Yep. Uh, Drew Gilbert with the Houston Astros. Next guy here. Gilbert was end of the first round last year, 28th overall out of Tennessee. Gilbert had an awesome year for the best team in recent memory in college baseball. Um, and I just got a call from Paul Skeens. He's on line one. He's saying, hey, douchebag, <laughs> like LSU is there. Uh, Drew Gilbert, 58 games between high A and double in his first full pro season, 265, 374, 437, uh, eight homers, seven bags, K rate under 20%. Gilbert was unfreaking believable in high A. He makes the jump to double, and I think he's met his level that's appropriate for his progression. Exactly. I, you couldn't have put it in a better way, man. I, he's getting adjusted. <laughs> It happens. He's 22 and he's being challenged. But what I love is not striking out a lot, walking more. So I think he's catching himself in deeper counts because he's been, okay, I'm getting to double A now. I got to be more patient. I think in high it was, I can hit everything because I'm better than these guys. Now it's, I got to be patient. These guys are tough and you get yourself in deeper counts and guys execute pitches a little bit more than you thought. And all of a sudden, you're getting off B swings a little bit more. That's really what it looks like to me. The contact rates are great. The chase rates are great. The swing decisions are good. And it's just been a lot of, a lot more weak contact. I think he's going to settle in and I think he's going to start getting his A swing off more. I watched this guy get his A swing off on the backfields. I know I've mentioned it a few times, but before the season, his A swing plays. Um, and, and he's going to be, he's going to be a good player. He's going to, he's a top 100 guy, even with the struggles for me in, in this update. He is very talented. I wouldn't have mind seeing Joey Loperfito sent here, but I know he doesn't come with the allure uh, that a Drew Gilbert has as, as a first-round pick. In a redraft, though, I could already tell you by now, he's going earlier than 28. Yeah, for sure. Um, he does. He also doesn't come with the allure of uh, Yasver Zulueta or uh, Shane Drohan. So. I know. I wish I wish Lope was in one of those orgs. They would have sent him because that guy's yeah, Patrick Montverde. Um <laughs> Hey, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Classe with the Seattle Mariners. Um, high A and double. Classe is a freakazoid, I guess. 65 yeah. games, hitting 246, but he sees an 120 point jump from batting average to OBP. He's slugging well over 500, 16 homers, 42 bags in 65 games. Uh, he's fascinating, isn't he? He's a switch hitter with 70 wheels who all of a sudden has unlocked another tick in power. This is one of my write-ups that I'm most uh, – I love the most. And I know I keep teasing the Mariner stuff. The travel's been brutal. It will actually be done for the next episode. Class A was a write-up I really enjoyed because I dove deep into it. So I won't bore you with all the details. But this guy is really lifting the ball maybe too, too much. But when you got 70 wheels, he's among the league leaders in stolen bases the last two years. He's going to be this year too. And he's starting to hit the ball hard. There's risk here with the whiff, but man, this guy's dynamic and he's he deserves it. He's been one of the breakout guys this year, even after letting out some steam in double A. He just turned 21. He's a special talent. Yeah, super special. I, and then last guy that 
we're going to go over in the American League is Lawrence Butler with the Oakland A's. Butler is spending an entire year in double. You could probably see him get the jump to triple, but Lawrence Butler has he's a big guy with a with a great frame. Like he is a big, athletic, fast, strong man. And you think, okay, you know, he may lack some of that refinement, but you worded it perfectly in the write-up, and we talked about this a little bit on the Just Baseball Show, 59 games hitting 284. He, he's getting better, and he's getting more advanced each time you check in. K-rate under 20%. I, I specifically ID'd here. I think Lawrence Butler like has the makings of a top 100 guy, and I know that he's going to be somebody that is certainly under consideration at the midseason update. A hundred percent. I'm I'm very excited about him. And to cut the K rate the way he has while jumping from high A to double is is remarkable. And he's really asserted himself as one of the best prospects in this organization. Also, big time swagger, got the pit vipers, owns them. Uh, I love the way he plays. He was a fun watch in the fall league. He, he's he's a lot of fun. He's earned this one. Yeah, I figure we can split this into two. We always do this where we start. Yeah, we always like- do this. We're gonna, but this uh, is, what? is a good place to spot or stop. If you listen, if you listen to this podcast, you, you, you know the drill by now. Uh, we go too long, and then we split it into multiple episodes. So uh, we went too long. We'll go National League with an episode coming out right after this, and you know we'll, we'll break that down. But, again, we, we'd rather go through it and talk about these guys than rush through it and you know not give you guys enough here. So – that's the American League side. And if you can't wait, you can also see the blurbs that we have uh, in the article linked in the description. But we will kind of dive into the National League side and Jack's takeaways from the Connor Phillips start. And also some other guys I want to kind of ID that have been performing well uh, in, in the next episode. Jack, any final thoughts before we close out the American League side and, and get ready for the next episode with the National League side? underwhelming pitching staff with the American League side, but I will tell you I'm very excited to see these bats up close and personal. Um, My in-person look at Lawrence Butler is now two years old. I'm really excited to see Lawrence Butler. The world is clamoring for more Junior Caminero content, and I am so excited and amped to watch you watch Junior Caminero. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, man. He's he's a blast. But we will be giving you all the coverage from the from the All-Star weekend and from Futures game, and, and we'll give you more info on that as we get closer. But look out for the National League episode and the Mariners' top prospects coming out uh, in the next couple episodes. Looking forward to breaking that with you, breaking that down with you. As always, I hope you enjoyed the episode and look forward to talking more Futures game and more prospects with you very soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.